All right, welcome to episode three of Growing Up Rock. I'm your host, Stephen Michael, and with me today is... Sonny Hollywood Pooney. How you doing? What's going on, Sonny Sonny? It's going great. I'm embracing that nickname. We'll talk about that in a little bit. (laughs) Yes, sir. We will get into the moniker of Hollywood, learn all about its origins. That's what I look forward to. (laughs) So what do we got in store for today's episode? Uh, we're gonna do some uh, new music. Uh, we're gonna, uh, I'm gonna kind of tell my story a little bit. We're gonna talk about uh, the state of music in the year that I graduated, which was uh, graduated high school, which was 1986. And then we're gonna talk a little kiss and do our normal shuffle at the end. So it should be a good show. Awesome. Yeah, we're gonna visit uh, visit the stories and memories centering around 1986, which was Sonny's golden year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that year was a little crazy, but uh, yeah, we'll get into that. All right. Well, cool. Last last week's episode, uh, which was the first uh, official full-length episode of Growing Up Rock, was uh, with uh, Tom from Classic 78, and he gave us some, some cool uh, uh, stories and some cool information uh, on that band. So enjoyed that one. Yeah. That guy was, uh, really passionate, right? I'm uh, <laughs> listening to the interview. Um, first of all, I love their stuff. If uh, people haven't checked out classic 78, that, that music is straight up seventies kiss inspired by, it's not by any means a ripoff, uh, but it is really, really good stuff. Uh, I would say it could have been right in between rock and roll over and love gun, like that kind of sound. So, uh, it, that those guys are really cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, and I know there's a lot of KISS fans out there that are probably looking forward to, uh, hopefully, a side two of that EP. Yeah, no doubt. Awesome, awesome. Okay, well, so um, let's kick it off with the Crank It Up Spotlight on new music. Tell us all about it. Sonny, what do you got for us today? All right, so we are going to talk about a band called Sisters Doll. Um they are an Australian band. Uh, they've been around a little while, actually. They've been around a few years, but uh, obviously we haven't heard of them because they haven't really released any uh, music yet. They just released an album called All Dolled Up. And uh, what's cool about these guys is they've got, first of all, they've got a Kiss connection. So uh, your the listeners may have heard, uh, our audience may have heard that Peter Chris just did his final show in New York, he did a show in Australia, and this was Sisters Doll was his backup band. Um, so they're obviously Kiss fans. Uh, Bruce Kulick was in Australia doing some things, and Sisters Doll was his backup band. Right on. And then uh, Four by Fate, which is ex-members of Fraley's Comet, was in Australia, and Sisters Doll opened for them. Wow! So, so these guys are hanging out with Kiss full time. Oh yeah, no doubt. And their sound is really '80s glam sleaze rock it's more probably a little more melodic than it is sleaze i would put them kind of in the la guns um vein a little bit um they were i guess australia has a a, a australia's got talent show like we have america's got talent and they were top five in that so that's kind of what kind of set them up uh three-piece band um and the song that we're going to spin is called uh, good day to be alive and it could be easily a radio hit so it's a pretty cool song sister's doll with a good day to be alive rock well, i've been walking around 
Walking through this lonely town Nothing better to do I gotta open my eyes You stay See, it can easily be a radio hit. Yeah, that was a um, cool tune. I dug it. Yeah, yeah. And there's another 
all you know the tunes are all uh, power pop, melodic rock, so right in there. But there's a tune where Bruce Kulick actually plays guitar, and it's called "Young, Wild, and Free." And man, he rips on that song. So if you guys haven't really tried out or ever heard of Sisters Doll, I would also try "Young, Wild, and Free," and they're on iTunes, so you can listen to it before you buy. Okay, cool. All right, let's get into it. 1986. And a young Hollywood poony is about to graduate college. Tell us all about it, my friend. What are your memories and stories growing up around 86? Yeah, so it's high school, not college. Did I said college? <laughs> yeah, you said college. Oh, well, you're ahead of your time, man. What do you want from yeah. me? Yeah, that's that's how it is, right? Um, all right, so let's talk about Hollywood for a second. So early 90s there's some adult beverages involved stupid me is in a bar in san francisco and i get up to do karaoke because the 90s were all about karaoke and i sing this song uh, kiss by prince you know that high falsetto song um, <laughs> i can picture um, it now <laughs> yeah and i'm sure i sang it in the key of q flat or q sharp i'm sure uh but i get off stage and somebody yells out hollywood and I had work friends there and it just kind of stuck. So it's kind of weird to have, you know, I have my work friends and I have my personal friends and it really, the nickname stuck with my work friends, but never really got into my first personal friend group. So kind of a weird thing, but, uh, um, and now, so and eight, now it is, and now you can't get rid of it. It's amazing how things work out, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> let's talk about kind of how I got into music. So I kind of got into music actually late. So, um, I was about 14, uh, fall of 94, uh, just starting the 10th grade. Um, I hadn't really listened to anything but Top 40 because there was only the one TV in the house and my mom was always watching Indian movies, uh, Bollywood type movies. But uh, so I had my transistor radio in the in the room and I always listened to Top 40. Um, But starting 10th grade, you see these people like talking about other bands and they've got T-shirts on and it's like what's going on, right? So you start talking to some friends and they start talking to you about MTV and it's the next biggest thing. So I check out MTV and the first video I see, Heaven's on Fire. And I'm like, wow, that's cool. <laughs> that, is, that is cool, man. I remember that video. I mean, when, when I first came into MTV and I, I was already into rock uh, at the time, but when I first uh, got into MTV, the video they played all the time, like religiously, and I couldn't get away from it was uh, uh, the Scorpions, No One Like You. They oh, yeah. the hell out of that early on, you know, and it's it's it was OK. I mean, I took what I could get from MTV, but definitely uh, not my favorite Scorpion song by by far. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. Um, so. Right. So I, I see MTV. I still can't get TV time. So uh, the intelligent 14 year old figures out that on the transistor radio, there's got to be other stations and there's got to be these stations that play Heaven on Fire. And, and I come across a station called KVHS, which is the competing high school and their high school radio station. And they play all metal, rock, thrash. Crazy, and like, man. And that's, that's my Cali- station. That's California for you, man. I, when, <laughs> when growing up in, in a small town in Florida, you our high schools didn't even have like high school radio. And, and if they did, I can assure you they wouldn't be playing hard rock and metal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, so that's that's kind of how I got into hard rock, right? And uh, awesome. So you know, my 
early favorite bands were like Kiss, Y&T. I still liked Prince because he was big at that point. Van Halen, uh, Striper was just kind of starting up. You listened to a lot of Ozzy, Maiden, that kind of stuff. And then later on, I grew into like Dokken and, you know, Mr. Big and Black Label Society, White Snake, that kind of stuff. So, so what was what was the first album, or the first real album that you purchased? So birthday 85, I got enough money to buy four albums. So my first purchase was actually four albums. Okay, cool. I go to the, to me. I, yeah, I go to the local record store and I ask where Animalize is. So I go to Animalize. I go to the Kiss section, flip through, see this album cover that's got four painted faces on it called Dynasty. Grab that one too, because I'm like, these are the same guys. Grab that one. And, um, and did you? And are we talking about vinyl or CDs or cassettes? What What are we buying here? This is vinyl. Okay, I'm buying vinyl at this point. Okay. And then I was already into White Snake a little bit, so I was planning to buy Slide It In, and I was planning to buy Purple Rain. So. I bought Purple Rain, Slide It In, Analyze, and Dynasty on God, my first album. Darn, man. Yes. <laughs> I can't argue with that, man. That's pretty good. I mean, the Dynasty, uh, and, and I'll be honest, at that time in my, my life, Prince, I, I didn't want to hear from it. I was tired of, uh, I was kind of one of those those dudes that didn't want to hear anything but hard rock and metal, and, and I kind of turned my nose up at everything else. So Prince was something that um, I just, I didn't want to know anything about it you know i'd seen purple rain that was fine but i was tired of of real little red corvette and uh all these videos on mtv i wanted my my hard rock and metal so uh, yeah i turned my nose up on it but you know having look looking back on that now of course obviously i i, I love prince and uh i have tons of of his material now but back then yeah you, you couldn't sell it to me back then yeah, and you know, for a new Kiss fan, Animalize and Dynasty don't sound at all the same. So, uh, but I was already used to Top Forty, so I was made for loving you. Kind of struck a chord. I'm like, I think I might have heard that song before. And then the differences in the two albums were okay for me because Top Forty is all over the board anyway, right? So I was good with it. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. So what? Okay. So that was your that was your first out al- your first four album purchases. What was what was the first concert you went to? So I actually went to my first concert two months ahead of time. Uh, a friend of mine had a ticket uh, to go see Motley Crue in Sacramento, when, and uh, we lit. When was this? What what year was this? Eighty August eighty five. Eighty five. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So theater pains out. Okay. And I've seen the videos on MTV, but I'm in denial that they went glam, I'm still thinking I'm gonna see Shout at the Devil costumes, right? Right. Um, so uh, my friend brother's, uh, friend's brother drives, uh, we go to Motley, Loudness opened, Loudness awesome. was awesome. Um, and then here comes Motley Crue and they were in that damn pink tight leather or pink tight spandex and I'm like, oh, come on. But uh, you know, the, the uh, uh, they started with In the Beginning and went right into looks at kill and it was wall-to-wall women at the show and i'm like i think i want to do this for a living this is awesome (laughs) (laughs) so uh yeah that was my first show it was great so now you're fully engrossed in the rock and roll lifestyle you've 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 been introduced to the glam and of course the glam bought the women back in that period of time and in 85 86 so yeah yeah no doubt no doubt 
Awesome, awesome, awesome. <laughs> I, saw, I saw that tour as well. So, uh, yeah. yeah, that was the tour where uh, Tommy's uh, drum risers go uh, 45 degree angle, right? Halfway up. Yeah. Is that right? Yep, yep. They were just starting all that stuff. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Awesome. Well, um, so then, you know, we want to talk about the state of music in 86, and we're actually going to talk about some of my favorite debut albums of that year. Um, state of music, you know, a new wave, you know, looking back at it, maybe I didn't realize it then, but now the new wave of British heavy metal, right, is really kind of becoming classic. But thanks to like Rat and Bon Jovi and Quiet Riot and Theater of Pain and Home Sweet Home and all that stuff's all over MTV. So glam and hair metal haven't really super taken off yet, but they are at the cusp because this is the year uh, Europe Final Countdown came out, 86. Slippery When Wet came out in 86. Striper to Hell with the Devil came out in 86. Wasp Inside the Electric Circus. We're going to talk about a bunch of uh, debut albums that came out. So it's, in my opinion, we're about 18 months away from glam rock and like stupid. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> this This is really this is really a prime time as far as I'm concerned because there was a lot of different stuff available at this time and, and things were, were becoming popular, right? So I, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, you had all the hard rock like the crew and the, and the um, rat and stuff like that. A lot of the, the Sunset Strip thing had kind of already um, happened or, or it happened in phase one and then the glam phase is about to hit. Uh, but then you also had some really, really good heavy uh, uh, bands like Metallica and, and Anthrax and, and some of these guys that were really making uh, killer music at the time, right? I think Metallica was what on their Master of Puppets at that point, right? Yeah, so 86. I mean, if you think about Slayer, Rain and Blood, Megadeth, Peace Cells, Metallica, Master of Puppets, and Motorhead, Orgasmatron, all came out in 86. So thrash is about to take off too. Yeah, so you had a really, really <laughs> good mixture of, of stuff. I mean, I was I was loving rock and roll at this point in time, and uh, eighty five, eighty six for me. I was, you know, I was two years uh, out of high school at this point, so I had already gotten out of high school. I had already done a year of college, and I had already gotten into. Um, music for a living so i was already making money working at a at a uh instrument store at this point yeah and you know and i'm in san francisco so you're starting to have a divide one side of the street everybody's dressed in spandex and big long hair and hairspray and the other side of the street everybody's dressed in black because you can't get away from megadeth and metallica because we're in megadeth metallica country yeah, right. And you and I kind of, you and I had talked a little bit about that, which is, uh, you know, the difference in, in you and I growing up on the West Coast, you were you were in the middle of, of everything that was going on. I mean, if you wanted to uh, go down the street, you could have probably seen four or five soon to be huge bands at any number of clubs. I didn't, I didn't have that, that, uh, um, luxury, uh, where I was and where I was growing up because, uh, there just wasn't, I mean, it was a small town and we didn't, we didn't get that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, you were really fortunate in that way. I would have, I would have killed to have been in the midst on the West coast, either in LA or, or, um, uh, San Francisco at that point in time. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I definitely had uh, a lot of access to the music. No doubt about that. 
Um, all right, so let's talk a little bit about, uh, we wanted to talk about debut albums in 86. Like what was some of these popular bands or some of my favorite bands, their first album on a major uh, label get released in 86, they're about to blow up. And uh, the first one I wanna talk about is actually Sacramento, California. We're gonna talk about Tesla and Mechanical Resonance. And uh, I love almost everything there is uh, about Tesla. I really like this band. Yeah, me too. And these guys kind of, they chose the center. So they didn't decide to really go glam and they didn't really decide to go all black. They were just jeans and t-shirts. And, uh, you know, there's there's stories about Jeff Keith, the lead singer, was a garbage man. And, you know, now he's a lead singer of a big rock band and, and those type of things. Um, it released actually later in December of that year. And the producers that they got had produced Metallica, GNR, Scorpion. So it was interesting because it was a initial debut album. But that's the sound on that album is pretty big, right? The production's sure. pretty big. For yeah. Sure. Um, I've seen them to- tons of times live, uh, you know, living here, I, I, maybe 15 times. Like they opened for everybody here in 86 and 87. Anybody that came to town, if you wanted to see Tesla or Y&T, you could see them anywhere you wanted to. Um, nowadays, they have not lost a step. They just finished uh, a tour with Def Leppard and Poison. Yep. And I had one of my uh, one of my coworkers went to the concert and he said the best band was Tesla. I, I saw them as well. I saw them when they came through town, uh, I don't know, two months ago or whatever on that same tour. And, and no, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, they didn't lose a beat. And uh, I think Def Leppard and Poison both were really, really generous with the stage space and the lights and everything else. And uh, they only played a half hour. But, um, you know, hey, anytime I can see Tesla, it's a good time. And, uh, and they, were, they were killer. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this this album is also interesting. It just hit 30 years last year. So they actually, to celebrate the 30-year anniversary, they released a live album performing the album in its entirety. And it's pretty good. So it's out there available for purchase. And uh, Stephen and I are encouraging everybody all the time, go buy physical product, buy product from these bands so they can last. Um, but originally, the two singles off this album were Little Susie, which actually hit the Hot 100, it went to number 91. And then Modern Day Cowboy, which didn't chart, but was all over MTV. It's at, it was actually one of my favorite songs. Um, and there's this is one of those albums, hit shuffle and just walk away. Like you don't gotta worry about skipping any songs, none of that. But uh, we wanted to play one of the deeper tracks, so we are gonna spin uh, a song written by Frank Hannon and Jeff Keith and Brian Wheat. Frank Hannon's a guitar player, Brian Wheat's the bass player. And it's really written to play live well uh, and be that anthem song and that uh, they usually open with it and it's called Coming At You Live. Thank <laughs> you. 
I mean, if that doesn't get your uh, your blood going, then nothing will, right? You're dead. Check your pulse. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. All right, the second one we got, uh, we're going to talk about it. We, Stephen and I, aren't really into rankings. Like, I'm sure at some point we'll do some sort of ranking show, but 
I, I just picked five fave albums. This is in no particular order, so just so the, yeah. the audience so knows. Don't, so don't start sending your hate mail quite yet to us because it's not <laughs> about uh, the top, okay? It's, it's yeah. our top. If, if your top is different than our top, which I can almost 100% guarantee you it will be, uh, then awesome. You guys get yeah. start a podcast and, and do it. <laughs> but this is our podcast and this is our favorite tune. So that's what we're going to play. Yeah. Yeah. So the second album we're going to talk about is uh, by Cinderella and their debut album, Night Songs. And, uh, you know, it's a triple, a triple platinum album. And uh, they, they had producers that kind of made them sound great because Andy Johns, who produced it, is the guy from Free, Van Halen, uh, Humble Pie. So, um, you know, the, the guy's no joke. The nice thing about this band is they still have the four original members. Um, the drummer, Fred, uh, is kind of in and out of the band, depending on almost the month. They've had eight different drummers play with them at one point or time. But the three main guys, Tom, Eric and Jeff, have been the same. Um, in my in my opinion, although these guys are still somewhat active and we'll talk about that in a second, They've only got four studio albums, and this is this is the best one, in my opinion. They haven't recorded anything since 94. So really, Cinderella's a legacy band. And uh, this is an album that, you know, again, you can just hit shuffle and enjoy. Um, they really, so I, I heard a new story about this too, but the, the old story is that Bon Jovi really helped them out. That Bon Jovi went to Polygram and said, look, you guys, you guys got to listen to these guys, you got to sign these guys, and I want these guys on my tour. So like the first time I saw Cinderella open for Bon Jovi, that's when I saw them. Yeah, they were they were kicking around the Philadelphia uh, club scene for quite some time. I mean that was yeah that was the story I got, and uh, they they those those three the three bands so Bon Jovi, Skid Row, and um, Cinderella um, were interchangeable in the way that that. Um, those guys all kind of knew each other from from those those club days and club circuits uh you know philadelphia new jersey it's all all kind of right in in the same vicinity right yeah yeah no doubt uh the new story i heard was uh that actually gene simmons pitched them so get this right yeah so gene simmons pitches van halen but that's in 77 78 when he's got a ton of power you try to pitch a band in 84, 85, and you're a KISS member, you didn't have any power. <laughs> so Polygram didn't listen. It's funny how <laughs> it's funny how much stuff KISS really had their hands in. I mean, if you if you read the stories of a lot of bands like and it wasn't just Gene, right? So so uh Paul Stanley actually sat down with Guns N' Roses to try to produce their first record. Yep, yep, that's what I heard too. God, would that record been different? Yeah. I'm glad that didn't happen. <laughs> that might change Love Paul, but uh, it's just yeah, oil and water there. Um, so this album actually went to number three in 1987. So it was released in the middle of '86. Had three singles: "Shake Me," which was all over MTV, but didn't chart. Mm-hmm. "Nobody's Fool," which went to number 13 because that started the ballad movement. Like between "Wanted Dead and Alive" and "Nobody's Fool." And Home Sweet Home, oh my God, you could not get it off MTV. Yeah, remember they uh, were, Bon Jovi was in their video and everything? Yeah, yep, yep, yep. And then uh, Somebody Save Me was also one of the singles, which went to number 66. I love that song. Um, I do too. The, this whole album's great. The, this, uh, this record's really good. Start to finish, it's a great album, no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, 
you know, I don't I don't know if the audience has ever seen Cinderella live. It's kind of interesting live because I will warn you, it is the Tom Kiefer show. He plays all the lead guitars. He's a lead vocalist. He's the guy on the piano. He's the guy up front. He's the guy sweating. The guy works hard and deserves it. And there's tons of energy, but it is the Tom Kiefer show. Well, and, and I'll just say this. So I went to... Um, uh, one of these rock festivals um, a year or two ago, and um, uh, you know it was a bill filled with with all the normal names, right? Everybody from Slaughter to Kicks to to um, uh, LA Guns, so on, Lynch Mob, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and Tom Kiefer was um, uh, he wasn't headlining one of the nights, but he was he was going on like. Um, probably second to last or something like that. So he was one of the main draw acts uh, on one of the nights. And it was probably one of the best, most recent rock shows I've ever seen. His band and himself were so damn tight and so damn good. He sounded he sounded better than when uh, I saw them back in the Cinderella days. I mean, he sounded really, really good. And he he didn't stop from start to finish. He he ruled that stage like a professional, and uh, and it was fantastic. I mean, he was really 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 good. Yeah, and he's also the main songwriter, so he writes everything. So that whole album is written by him, right? So his solo records got some really good stuff on it as well. Yeah, yeah, no, it does. Um, you know what's going on now? Well, you know Kiefer's out there solo. These guys, uh, every once in a while, they play a Monster Rock Cruise. They'll get on a festival, like you said. Uh, it just kind of depends on. Uh, this is, you know, we've got quite a few bands out there now. I think Skid Row does it a little bit. Warrant does it, where they'll fly somewhere Friday, do a show one place, do a show another place, fly home Sunday kind of thing. I think these guys are doing something similar. Yeah, so I know that Kiefer is pretty dedicated to his band. He's out there pretty much full-time with his band. They're playing a lot, a lot of shows. So I heard a recent uh, interview with Jeff Labar, and Jeff uh, is the wild card in the band. He's the one that has had um, the drug and alcohol issues. Um, he's the one that, that basically had um, the most issues in Cinderella, and he uh, has been trying to get his life back together. So he's, he's in Nashville currently and, um, studying to be a chef. So he's, he's been going to school, uh, to cooking school and, uh, learning to be a, a sous chef or a chef or something. I mean, that's, that's what he's into now. And he's, he's trying to get his life straight. And then, uh, Fred Corey, was on not too long ago with somebody and uh he's been um scoring films and tv uh and doing music for the um the los angeles kings it's one of the hockey teams out there in california he's been oh um, yeah i heard something about that i yeah, did hear something about that. he's been doing the music uh for that so i think he's he's been working pretty regularly um uh, in music, just not necessarily from a touring aspect. And then, of course, Eric Brittenham has, has been playing with everybody he can get his hands on, including <laughs> yeah. uh, Brett Michaels, right? So he's touring yep. with Brett Michaels' band currently. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they're out there. So the deep cut we're going to play, because we don't like playing singles sometimes, we are going to play Nothing for Nothing. Nothing for Nothing. Remember that song? That's yeah, song. I love that song. Nothing from yeah. Nothing, get nothing. Nothing. <laughs> 
love it killer rock and roll yeah man that whole album like it'll it'll get you going nobody's fool will slow it down a little bit but the rest of the album is it'll get you going i'll just so skip down. by that i'll let you handle <laughs> the ballads sonny <laughs> yeah for the audience in this relationship i'm the ballad guy by the way sonny's um, the crybaby of the bunch yeah yeah no doubt uh, all right, so the next uh, debut album we're going to talk about is David Lee Roth. So although he had um, already released that EP, Crazy from the Heat, Doesn't that count. was just, yeah, those were like four cover songs, basically. Crap. His first studio album was Eat Him and Smile, and it came out in the middle of this year in 86. Now, David Lee Roth is always associated with Los Angeles. The guy was born actually in Bloomington, Indiana, if you didn't know, but uh, mm-hmm. he's always uh, associated with Los Angeles. And the producer here is Ted Templeman because, well, they work together in Van Halen. Um, so David Lee Roth, Steve Vai, Billy Sheehan, Greg Bissonette. As far as I'm concerned, four band members that are good as any other supergroup ever formed, two of my favorite musicians of all time, and neither of those musicians are named Dave. <laughs> so I'm a huge Steve Vai and Billy Sheehan fan. You like those guys? Yep. Dave Dave had a um he had an axe to grind, he had something to prove. He had just left the biggest rock band on the face of the planet. So I mean, I, I'm a hundred percent in agreement with you. You can't necessarily put together any better a band of players than these guys. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, Dave's voice it depends on what side of the Van Halen argument you're on. Uh, to me, the great guitar players he had made Dave's voice listenable to me. If he didn't have the great guitar players, I don't know if I would be into Dave's voice. That's just my personal opinion. Dave, Dave's voice is, is fine. I mean, Dave is a showman. He's he's a vaudevillian uh, actor, and, and uh, uh, he gets by with what he gets by with. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I would necessarily classify him as a singer, you know. Some of that stuff that he did on on the early Van Halen records was was definitely good enough in the studio. Uh, he's never been great live as far as his vocals go to me. Um, but then, but then there's a lot of singers that I see live that I'm just kind of like, eh, you know. I mean, yeah. name it, uh, uh, Vince Neil and and uh, you know, yeah, the list. Sebastian Bach. Uh, <laughs> Sebastian Bach can sing live now. I've seen him sing live. Oh, really? Yeah. Because I saw him in the heyday, and it was rough. Really? <laughs> yeah. Man, I'll tell you what. I've seen him several times since uh, since Skid Row, and I thought he uh, he's he's on top of his game. He can sing. I wouldn't classify him as one of those guys, but um, okay. you know, Don Dockin can't. Uh, he he's awful nowadays. He just he can't sing to save his life. Everything is in a monotone like this. Those guys have been doing it forever. Yeah, I mean, you know, people get older. The voices you can't you can't fix a, a vocal uh, cord. You know, it's not like having your butt lifted, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 no so, doubt. So it is what it is. You can't change a guitar string on a vocal cord. It it uh, it is what it is. Yeah. So. Um, I've seen this lineup four times. It was awesome. I, I went the, every time they came anywhere near San Francisco, whether it was the beauty. I have Oakland. I got San Jose. I got Sacramento. I can go to L.A. if I want. I can see them in San Francisco. So every time they were here, I saw them. And uh, I was just going to say, you got you got me beat on that. I think I've seen this lineup. I think I saw this lineup once. I saw the I saw the Eat 'em and Smile tour. 
Um, and uh, I want to say, I want to say, Bullet Boys and Cinderella opened up. I know Cinderella opened up for sure, but I almost think that, that Bullet Boys were on that bill as well. Yeah, I think you're right on that. And uh, it was it was by far one of the loudest shows I've ever been to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, the album. You know, it's there's a lot of different styles on this album. It's it's really a 30 minutes that's worth listening to. It's only about 30 minutes, but it's got all kinds of different types of music. That's why I love Vi and Sheehan so much. They can just basically play this and that same thing. They can play anything. Um, the singles off the album were Going Crazy, That's Life, Yankee Rose. Or Yankee Rose actually got the number 16 on the charts. Tobacco Road was a single too. Uh, Yankee Rose and Growing Crazy were all over MTV. I love those two videos. With the full-length um, videos, right, where they had the, yeah. the like the minute or two piece beforehand. That was so yeah. hilarious. Love those. Um, so there was a rumor because this album just turned 30 years old last year, right? So there's a place in L.A. called Lucky Strike Bowling. It's a, it's a bowling alley, and it has a stage and bands play there. Well, there was a rumor that there was going to be a one-off show with the original four members. And three of the four members, so the only one that wasn't present at the time was David Lee Roth. He supposedly was on his way but hadn't made it there. And there were so many people in the room that the fire marshal shut it down before it happened. He actually made it there. Oh, he did make it there? I didn't hear that part of the story. Yeah, if you go on on YouTube, well, I heard – I heard Steve Vai or Billy Sheehan talking on a radio show about it. They were actually, their gear was set up. They were they were backstage with their instruments strapped on, ready to walk on stage. Dave was already there. Dave had just pulled up on a, in an SUV, so he was already there. Oh, um, and and they basically they basically shut it down. Said you know, fire marshal came in and shut it down. But they were literally ready to walk on stage and play. Yeah. That would have been crazy. <laughs> that would have been nuts. I hope. Um, I hope. Um, I would love to see uh, Dave get this back t- together and go do this because I don't know what's going on with Van Halen. I have no clue. Nobody does. If somebody does, you sell your story, make a million dollars. Nobody <laughs> knows. Van Halen camp is so quiet. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um. But anyway, so and there's, you know, I don't know if you saw, but the fans are clamoring about this. Bring Michael Anthony back. Take Sam and Dave with you. You could do a half Sam, half Dave show or do two nights in every city and one night Sam and one night's Dave. I don't know how they would pull that off. Uh, it would it would totally be cool if they were able to do something like that. I saw Sammy's Sammy's idea. And he has yeah. a good, he has a good idea, and they could make it happen if they wanted to. I mean, let's yeah. face it. Nowadays, I mean, travel on a separate bus. The only time you need to see each other is on stage. They could make it happen, and and they would clean up. I mean, they could definitely they could definitely go the Guns and Roses route and play stadiums with that package. And, oh yeah, and just do you know do. Um, uh, you know, a couple songs, Sammy, a couple songs, Dave, a couple songs, Sammy, a couple songs, Dave, have Michael there. They would, they would 100% um, sell out stadiums with that package um, and the way they organize that. Uh, so really, they just need to say yes. And, and again, nobody's getting any younger. Um, they're not going to have that much time, you know. Uh, so I, I, I would love to see them do it, but, you know, who knows. 
Yeah, I think Sammy turned 70 this year. Yeah, he is. Yeah. And some yeah. of a bitch can still sing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I also heard an idea, just have Wolfgang's band open up, so make Eddie happy, you know, so that he can be on the road too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right, so. So from this album, a deep cut, we're going to spend two minutes and 26 seconds of just complete, rapid enjoyment. One of my favorite uh, songs on the record, too. Elephant Gun, baby. Hit me with that elephant gun. That song, ooh, love it. That song is crazy. Love that it. Song love is it. Just crazy. I just wish that group would have lasted a little bit longer. It's, I think Billy, Steve, Steve uh, and Dave took over production as the albums went later, and Billy was feeling like it was a David Lee Ross show, and he thought it was going to be a four-member group, and it didn't really feel like that. If they could have figured out that, these guys could have went for a while. Yeah, I gotta so. say, I wasn't a huge fan of Skyscraper. I went back yeah. and I and I got it after the fact, and uh, I like it a little bit more nowadays than I did back then. But uh, just after Eat 'Em and Smile, it was kind of a letdown to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So in the vein of nobody knows where Van Halen is, well, <laughs> nobody nobody knows where Vinnie Vincent is either. Um, Although Chris Sinzak from Decibel Geek keeps saying he knows where he is, but he won't tell anybody. Um, Chris is secretly <laughs> Vinny's best friend, I think. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so Vinnie Vincent Invasion's self-titled album came out this year, I, uh, their I, debut album. I, 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 bowed, I bought up to Chris that uh, um, since he was such good friends with, uh, with Vinny, I bowed I up the, um, uh, the theory that um, Vinny is now Victoria Vincent. Oh, God. I, I mean, I, I seriously think about it. I mean, why not? Why else not come out in public? You know, why? Why has nobody seen him? And uh, you know, he's always sort of androgynous. You know, and and hey, there's nothing wrong with. It. I don't have an issue with it. But um, come out. You know, come on out. If if uh, the guy from uh, um, uh, what is it, Life of Agony, can do it, and uh, uh, the guy from King Cobra can do it, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know about all that stuff. For all we know, he's. You know, like there was uh, rumors that Prince would uh, write under different pseudo names. Maybe he's doing the same thing and we just don't know it. You know, who knows? Could be. Um, uh, I've always loved Vinny's writing. And, I, you know, when this album was about to come out, you know, I'm already a Kiss fan. I haven't bought Animalize or Dynasty yet, but I've heard a lot of Kiss. And I was really looking forward to this album. And the album, in my opinion, did not disappoint Vinny's a little crazy on the album with the guitar playing, though. Like, you have to almost go deaf to it at some point because he's it's a little out. Yeah, he's always crazy with the guitar playing. Yeah. Um, so Fleischman was the lead singer on this uh, on this album, Vinny, and then Dana Strum and Bobby Rock. But by the time they went on tour, Mark Slaughter was already on vocals. Actually, before they even shot the first video, Robert was already gone, never signed the contract. Um, so when I saw these guys live, I saw them twice. I saw them in a club, which was amazing. A club that only has like 400 people wow. there. It was amazing. Very cool. And then I, and I also saw them open for Iron Maiden in 87. And uh, I saw them open up for Alice Cooper in uh, probably that same year, probably 87 as well. Yeah, and uh, Vinny was out to prove that uh, whoever the guitar players were for his uh, headlining bands that he was better and he was out there like uh, that was a little crazy um, you know this band only lasted two albums and uh, I really like this album there was two singles from it Boys Gonna Rock which didn't chart and back on the streets if you haven't heard that song in a while or if you've never heard that song Vinny actually does co-lead vocals on it and it's a beautiful song and it was actually written several years before this album came out um, and then uh, it was written for a movie called Voyage of the Rock Aliens. I've never seen that movie. Um, John Norum, who's a Europe guitarist, yep. did, a, uh, did a cover of it. Uh, Ace Fraley was going to release it, uh, was actually demo- demoing it out and actually doing it in his live act and decided not to release it. So uh, it's really, really pretty song, uh, power ballad type thing, but it's a really, really good song. Um now, obviously, Vinny's been off the grid for a while. I mean, there's documentaries that are, people are saying are fake. And then his lawyer comes out and says that isn't him. And who knows what's going on with Vinny. But uh, um, but the song we're going to spin, that's, this song is catchy as hell. And it is called Do You Want to Make Love? This song rocks. No, I do not. Thank you. Let's spin it. <laughs>
Vinny Vincent Rock and Roll. All right, baby. I miss Vinny. Wish he'd be put out new music. I really miss him. Yeah. The fifth and final choice. Yeah. The last album we're going to talk about is uh, by a band called Racer X. So, um, you know, living in uh, California, Racer X was a L.A. band and they played all the L.A. clubs and then they played all the San Francisco clubs constantly and uh really the key cog to this band is paul gilbert on guitar um and paul is only like 19 20 years old when this album comes out prodigy um yeah and uh they were signed on shrapnel records and mike varney uh was kind of a known guy for signing shredder guitarists um they hired uh, this singer named jeff martin who actually sang for leatherworth leatherwolf later on it's got a I would say a uh, Rob Helper type voice. Um, this music isn't, you know, it wasn't the melodies that got me into this music. For me, a lot of the times, melody and lyrics and great guitar playing, that's what really gets me. But here it was great guitar playing. I remember when I first heard Racer X, I was like, okay, this is cool. I wish it was more melodic. And it ended up being that way when Paul Gilbert joined Mr. Big. So that's why I'm such a huge Mr. Big fan. Um, but these guys, they are rip your face off guitar shredder rock and roll guys. By the time I saw them live, uh, uh, Bruce Bouillet and uh, Scott Travis were already in the band. So Bruce was the second guitar player and Scott Travis was on drums. And and the, the bass player, John Eldretti, is no joke, could keep up. Now, when you see these videos on uh, YouTube, because I saw them in clubs, you know, these guys got yellow guitars, green guitars, big hair, pink guitars. It's 86. I mean, that's what everybody was doing. Um, but it is straight up. This was really my first metal type band. Right. How much do you know about Racer X? So I, I know a little bit about a Racer X. I, I knew about Paul Gilbert because uh, I was tied into the scene with uh, with Mark, Mike Varney and, um, and Shrapnel Records through a friend of mine. Um, who was a shredder as well. So uh, I knew about Racer X. Um, I, Bruce Boulier, is that how you say his name? That's how I've always said Boulier. He, That's he went on to be in the Scream, right? Yeah. He was yep. one of the guitar players in Karabi's Scream. And then, of course, Scott Travis went on to play drums in, in Priest, still plays drums today in, in Judas Priest, right? Yep. Yeah, Since so 1989, and yeah, and I I got this record. I got a uh, um, uh, uh, Street Lethal uh, when it came out because uh, you know I'd heard so much about uh, Paul Gilbert uh, at the time, so I wanted to check that out. Yeah, and if if uh, you know you want to hear Paul Gilbert, 19 years old, if you can find this, and I you know I'm sure you can find it on YouTube and some other places, but you want to listen to Frenzy, which is the first track off this album. And it's just an instrumental and you'll be like, oh, my God, that's Paul Gilbert at 19. Like, it's crazy. But the song we're going to spin is called Loud and Clear. And so we hope you hear it loud and clear. Turn it up.
Are your ears bleeding yet? Uh, mine are. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> mine as well. <laughs> so, so that's you know that's my debut albums from '86. I mean, a lot of stuff came out that year, and uh, it was hard to kind of pare it down to five. But uh, those are kind of my five favorite. Yeah, that's killer, man. That's good, good stuff. Uh, you know, we'd love to hear, we'd love to hear the listeners' uh, um, favorite debut records from that period of time or that year, '86. So, uh, you know, go on to uh, the website uh, growinguprock.com uh, and leave us your story, or uh, just go to Facebook, uh, growinguprock.com uh, Facebook page and. Um, uh, leave us uh, some comments. Let us know how you like the show, and let us know what your uh, your five uh, favorite debut records are from uh, 1986, uh, and we'll uh, we'll debate it out with you. <laughs> All right. So next, we are going to go to a segment that we call a historic moment. So uh, we're both Kiss fans, and we wanted to talk a little bit about. Um, I'm a little bit more of a Kiss nerd than than Stephen is. Uh, maybe a lot of it, but uh, um, so we want want to always tie the episode to a, a kiss story. So you can't have situ- a pod- you can't have a podcast without a kiss historic moment. Come on, man! There's 50 p- podcasts out there that are dedicated strictly to kiss. So we want our kiss kiss historic moment in time for uh, for this podcast as well. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, okay, so sticking with the 1986 theme, so. February 4th, 86, I'm 15 years old, and I go to my first KISS show. So the, now we're talking animalized uh, or asylum tour. Wasp is opening. Uh, they're on last command. So it is an uh, amazing show. It's my second show ever because the only other show I've seen so far was Motley Crue and Loudness. So I didn't quite know what to expect. Um, you know, Motley Crue and Loudness were good but uh, you know am I going to get what I saw see on MTV I've heard kisses like these big band like what is it and I will tell you one of the best shows I've ever seen and they opened with Detroit Rock City uh, I, I'm getting chills just telling you uh, I feel like I'm there now and it, it was incredible and they ended with lick it up and every song in the middle just blowing you away um, in later years when you know all these books come out and you start doing research and you know, you start kind of digging into, hey, I was at that show and, you know, what happened and kind of rediscovering. I discovered that the song Young and Wasted, which is off of Lick It Up, was actually supposed to be in the set and they played it the night before in Arizona. But I saw them in San Francisco the next night and they dropped it from the set. And the song they added is the song that we're going to spin for you. They added this incredible song off of Animalize written by Paul Stanley, Eric Carr, the late, great Eric Carr. And by the way, today would have been his birthday. Just let you know. And yeah. And uh, Desmond Child, the great Desmond Child. The song's got an incredible riff. Paul sounds absolutely amazing. The solo rips. And uh, the song is called Under the Gun. Yep, I like this song. The song rocks. Uh, so, um, Sonny, you're like a set list investigator. You like, <laughs> yeah. you like went back in time. Yeah, this song wasn't in the set list last night, but it was in the night before, and I found out that what had happened was that's pretty yeah. cool. All right, good. Let's spin this.
Yeah, I dig that song. That's a cool tune. I haven't heard yeah. that song in a while. Yeah, you would think that, uh, you know, letting Mark St. John rip like that on guitar, Vinny was probably a little jealous, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't think Vinny Vincent was too concerned with what Kiss and Mark St. John was doing. He was more focused on the invasion and his illegitimate uh, business ventures, I think. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Awesome. With the job. There you go. 1986, baby. 1986 in a small little package for you. That's uh, That's cool. Awesome. Well, so as always with uh, with our episodes, we're gonna we're gonna pull out the iPhone and do the iPhone shuffle for you. Uh, before we go, we're gonna we're gonna ask you to subscribe to this podcast, Growing Up Rock, at uh, at Apple Podcast or Stitcher Radio, wherever you can download a podcast. Please go do it. Uh, leave us comments uh, on the Facebook page at Growing Up Rock. Uh, let us know what we can do better or what we're doing that you're digging right now. Uh, by all means, put up your your five uh, uh, debut songs from 86. Let us know what your favorites are. Um, and uh, uh, go uh, go to growinguprock.com, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K, one word, dot com, and uh, let us know what what your story is what are your stories and memories growing up centered around rock and roll music uh maybe we'll use your story on the show um that's that's about it what do you, what do you got sonny hollywood you got anything for us all right so i put together i took all the 1986 songs that i had in my itunes dropped them into a playlist and i'm about to hit shuffle right now and there's there's pop, there's country, there's R&B, there's all kinds of stuff in here. So who knows what we're going to end up with. Hit shuffle real quick. Another level, another lover hole in your head. Do you remember that Prince song? I have no clue what song that is. Yeah. So it is a song off Parade. Okay. Um, the only song you probably know off Parade is Kiss, right? That's the only song you probably know. Yeah. But it's called Another Lover Hole in Your Head. All right. This is Stephen Michael. And this is Hollywood Pooney. Till next week, get out there and support live and recorded rock and roll music. Get up off that couch. Go create your own memories. Later. Later.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 